Welcome to the Memory Distillery, everyone. I'm Anthony Verneri. And who am I? I'm John Deck. Each week, we will malt, mash, ferment, and distill our way through the spirits of our past in the form of long-loved movies. And this week on the Memory Distillery, well, there's three of you. You're not exactly lone. Shouldn't you be the three rangers? That's right. We're watching Airheads from 1994, directed by Michael Lehman. This is not our first Michael Lehman movie. Oh, no. That alarms me. Uh, what was the first one? The first one was the one that you introduced me to, Hudson Hawk. Oh, wow. So we're dealing with high pedigree. I get it. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And going into this, full disclosure, everyone, John was a little skeptical because he didn't have a particular love for this movie. Am I correct? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's possible that I when I saw it that I kind of liked it but I haven't seen it in a really long time and when you first brought it up and with a certain level of glee and excitement in your voice I think my <laughs> response response might have been a bit more on the conservative side of oh god what hell am I going to be thrusting myself into um but you know I'm gonna try my very best to just uh see what I can do to enjoy uh, what this movie has to offer and maybe I mean I will just be delighted as all get out if I turn to love this movie we'll see you know I wouldn't be surprised if a number of our listeners are sort of in your camp at least from the start this is a movie that I remember being on almost daily on Comedy Central for like close to a year when I was in high school and then it just sort of went away and I don't really know what happened to it. Like I bought it on DVD at one point. I've watched it a handful of times, but I even I probably haven't watched it in I don't know ten or twelve years, maybe even fifteen years. Like it's been a while, and but it was like there was a steady rotation of stoner movies back in the late nineties on Comedy Central, and it was like this and Half Baked and uh, you know. Uh, mo money or, or whatever like just, just a bunch of random kind of dumb comedies mo money wasn't really a dumb comedy that's a bad example but anyway <laughs> the point i'm so, getting at is is it just sort of disappeared and nobody really talked about it anymore but it was there, there's so many like great faces in it and there's so many fun lines and kind of kind of funny bits that they do and and no one no one really remembers it anymore I feel like that this is my my impression, um, and a lot of this is just coming from general recall and remembering what the the cover, the movie poster thing was. But we have uh, Adam Sandler, right? Mm -hmm. Steve Buscemi, correct? Um, uh, Brendan Fraser, yep. And, uh, I, well, I'm guessing if Adam Sandler's in this, we're going to get a cool cameo by Chris Farley, probably Correct. as something like Wayne's World, where he's like a, a, a roadie or a security guard or something like that. He's a, he's a cop, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, who's, who's in training under Ernie Hudson. 
who's also a cop. <laughs> All right. Uh, like Judd Nelson is this. Yep, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> Crossovers. Um, oh, yeah, Judd Nelson's in this? Yeah, Judd Nelson is in this. David Arquette is in this. Joe Montana, Michael Richards. Don't, like, there's, yep. Don't remember there's any a, of those. Handful. Michael McKean. Uh, there's a handful of like big names in this or big-ish names at least and but it, it's it, like i said it's just one of those it sort of went away and nobody really talks about or, or even mentions anymore um, the closest the closest i can remember is something about i mean obviously they're they're a band or at least the three main characters are in a band or something like that and mm-hmm. and like i feel like maybe they like i don't know if they take hostages or they lock themselves in some place and in a recording studio or a, a, a radio station for some you're reason. Definitely right. Yeah, you're right there. Like it's okay. So yeah. Right so here. like it left an impression enough that it's not completely lost to me, but all the, the fine subtleties of any, you know, little jokes or ridiculousness. I, I know that they're out there, but right now I just got nothing. So I'm actually fairly, I don't know if excited is the word, but there could be <laughs> far worse experiments to undertake uh uh again i i have no clue what side of the line i'm gonna fall on this so uh, uh i'm i'm ready to jump in i just want to watch this and see what happens yeah let's find out how you feel about it so john and i are going to pause here we are going to watch this movie it is currently streaming on hulu uh i have it in my personal collection uh, i do feel not free to find it <laughs> <laughs> You don't say. A movie you don't remember you don't have in your personal collection, yeah. that's a shock. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, you know, jump on the Hulu uh, and, and check that out. And when we come back, we're going to talk Airheads. You ready, John? I am ready. Let's do it. Hey, John. Yeah? If it's too loud, you're too old. That seems like it's some sort of a reference to something. It, it is. Uh, but can you guess what it's a reference to? Um, um, B. Arthur? Exactly. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, we're back. We just watched Airheads. Uh, John... I feel like we haven't done this in a few episodes, but I, it might be prudent to do it now. How did you feel mm. about this movie? Well, hmm. Ah, feelings. They're tricky wicked, aren't they? They um, sure are. This wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Okay. So, like, just starting off there. And let's build... Let's build up from there. Sure. Um, did I enjoy watching it? Yeah. Okay. That's he a... says. He says confidently. Um, as co- more confidently than I expected, actually. Yeah. I'll say. I mean, it's obviously no good. It's not a good movie. No. But it never wanted to be. It was never pretending to be quote-unquote good. Uh, It was being what it is. So, I mean... And we're talking about the pejorative good here, right? Like, we're not talking about... 
everything you know, I talk about it, is pejorative, if you know what I mean. Sure, sure. But like, obviously, one person's good is another person's good. But when we're yeah, talking, I meant my good. Sort of the the, the pejorative, the, the greater good, uh, as it were. Um, no, I just mean all all possible definitions. Of oh, the word okay. Good. So it, it is not good in any sense of the word good. Okay. Uh, actually, I'm just kidding. I'm saying that for your benefit to get under your skin because <laughs> I know you enjoy the movie quite a bit. No, I mean it. It. Uh, I don't regret watching it. I chuckled a few times. I had some fun with it. I think it. The reason why I think it's good fit for us and for what we do here is that it really did slam home like the 90s nostalgia oh yeah and so like if nothing else it was just a fun little time capsule of like awkward fun and and i have to say that like in a in a movie that doesn't have much that like i loved i was surprisingly taken with uh pip uh, adam sandler is Pip's pip great because so... he's just he's such an idiot and like, so it's like, there are things I enjoyed and we'll get into it, but like the highest level, um, I, I'm going to go ahead and say, sure, I enjoyed watching it. It was kind of fun. And um, will I watch it again ever? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I don't regret it. It, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad time. It was silly and fun. And I, I so I had a good time. Well, let's ride that nostalgia train for a little while, and then we'll—I'll get into sort of my my final thoughts on the movie later on. And I even have a review from uh, from somebody who's watched it before. So mm, that's uh, always promising. It's it's a pretty good review. I think we're all going to be pretty pretty happy with it. Uh, so right out of the gate, like I, I I'm looking it up because you have uh, "Born to Raise Hell" by Motorhead playing. Um, this has a fucking great soundtrack. You've got Motorhead and Primus and Candlebox and Anthrax and Ramones. Like, there's so many good bands on the soundtrack, and even the cameos by bands and and by band members. You've got White Zombie in this movie. You've got Lemmy. Lemmy makes so many appearances in this movie, despite <laughs> his his single line. Like, he's he's on the wall at Palatine Records. Uh, they they mention him when they're talking to uh, the cop played by Harold Ramis, uh, and then obviously he's oh I'm the editor of the school magazine, like that's he's throughout this entire movie. Well, he is God. He is God. That's true. And God is so. omnipotent. Therefore, Lemmy is omnipotent. Yeah, I mean it just makes sense. Yeah, uh, but there's there's so you're right. There's so much '90s nostalgia in this, like even even the stuff that they claimed to hate like at one point Chaz you know they're taking calls from people listening and one guy's like oh can I get tickets to this show and apparently it's like a bunch of you know grunge bands and he's like oh you like that Seattle bullshit and I'm like wait a minute I loved that Seattle bullshit like grunge was my thing grunge is still my thing <laughs> like I, anytime anytime I, I rent a car I'm, I'm praying that it has serious radio in it so that I can listen to uh, the the grunge channel that they have yeah i mean the you can't argue with the soundtrack that it, it was spot on for this movie um the all like as we touched on just a bit the in the beginning before we watched it when you were talking about the rather expansive cast of uh you know characters like whether they're little cameos or mildly 
you know, more than that. Like there's just a lot of great little characters in it. Um, and, and like the, the one-offs and one-liners and references to all the different cultural things that were, you know, happening and going on, but like just the, the fashion and the hairstyles and, and mm-hmm. just the language and how, how they referred to each other and like all these, like, and, and then there had to be at least two or three, like, made up slang things or i was just out of it at that part of the 90s when these phrases were popular but like oh you mean like half a butt puppet yeah things like that that would (laughs) pop up but they're just like they're so authentically in the spirit of that kind of horrible stupid 90s nonsense that Mm -hmm. yeah i mean sure that or you know any number of things like so it's like they did a good job of setting that up and whether or not (laughs) they thought hey you know 25 years from now are are people going to be looking back on this with glee because they're reflecting upon you know what was once modern times in the 90s or if it's totally incidental i don't know maybe a mix of both well i mean obviously the movie the movie doesn't age well like we're we're talking about radio stations that are using cassette tapes and cds rather than you know, digital files and like they, they're bringing in a reel to, you know, a, a, a music on a reel. Like who, who does that now? Um, and the, the cell phone, the massive cell phones that they have and the old like cans of beer and the gas guzzler cars and stuff like that. Like it, it doesn't from a, from a cultural standpoint, it doesn't hold up or age well, but it's for for people like us who grew up in the 80s and the 90s you know it it invokes it, it invokes that that real nostalgia cuz it's not like they made up a, a lot of the the references in this movie like yeah you know you mentioned some of the the sort of terminology or the insults or whatever that they used but things that they referenced and like bands and even having like beavis and butthead call in like yeah that's that's all stuff that people our age can relate to and and really sort of grab hold of and you know yeah this isn't a good movie but it's a good movie to look back and go wow that's what things were like for us back when we were teenagers you know what i mean yeah and i and i bet there's probably even like uncredited hidden cameos in some of those crowds for you know you know of different you know band members or people who would have been a part of the the 90s scene uh oh for sure actually i i took note of at least one um the remember i I talked about lemmy shouting out you know i was the editor of the school magazine one of the guys after him, the guy who said, I, I used to masturbate constantly, that's Stuttering John from the old uh, Howard Stern show. Oh, okay. I'll take your word for it. It is, I promise. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, some cameos, of course, you know, like Kurt Loder or something, and you're like, oh, okay. You oh, yeah. MTV and, like, and, and things like that, and it was fun. They weren't necessarily cameos. They were parts, but smaller parts, but just to... To see, you know, half of a Ghostbusters reunion taking place outside there and, you know, just trying to be like, well, let's see, I guess that means Ernie Hudson is at 
three movies that we've watched on the show. Harold Ramis is also three. So I'm just, you know, like counting things up, trying to see if any, <laughs> we have any, you know, you know, anybody pushing for the title of, of most watched on our show. But I just, I never, when we started this, I would not have guessed that, uh, that, you know, uh, Ernie Hudson and Harold Ramis would be at the top of the most watched movies. <laughs> uh, no, I know. Right. Like that that's, it's a weird sort of pair in the running for number one. Like you would think, oh yeah, they'd be all about some Stallone movies or some Schwarzenegger movies or whatever. But like Harold Ramis and Ernie Hudson, like you, you think of them and you think Ghostbusters, you don't necessarily think Airheads or even even The, the Crow. Crow. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, so no, that it, it's kind of a cool. Uh, it's kind of a cool thing to think about 40 episodes in like wow that's that's where we're at so far at least yeah it's Uh, it's it's interesting too because there are names that are you know in the cast that somehow i would have expected like it or not would have found their way within you know like i think an actor like steve buscemi or even adam sandler you know might have popped up a few more times and then but no it's the the other characters that just kind of surprised us and came out of nowhere. Yeah. Tracy Ullman. Tracy Ullman. Have we watched a movie with Tracy Ullman? We have now. Was she in this? Yeah. As who? Someone. I can't remember her name. Apparently she played somebody named Melina. I don't know who that is. Uh, But, yeah. Okay. She's in it. All right. Um... I had a moment last night watching this uh, with my kid because my kids never watched it. And so we're sitting there and you mentioned Kurt Loder a minute ago. And I like I stopped the movie and I was like, hey, so that guy holding the MTV mic, he was really on MTV. He was an MTV VJ. His name's Kurt Loder. Um, he's like he's the oldest VJ that they had. And he's like, really? <laughs> Like, yeah. He goes, what's a VJ? Well, that's, great. that's one of those birds and the bees conversations that it is. can, can like, be awkward. And it's like, you know, you're going to hear kids at school talking about VJs and you're just going to yeah. be like, what does that mean? Well, I'm going to go and take my Geritol and then I'll explain this to you, I guess. There was a, a great moment when they're like the, the, uh, their tape, the, the original demo tape gets burned up and they're like, oh, run. And so they're trying to leave and the cops are outside and they send Pip out because he doesn't ha- he's not holding a gun. Hmm. And he's he has that moment with the cop where it's like back that and forth, back and forth, like, like the video game bit. And he, he does that like one of those classic Adam Sandler faces when he's like doing the weird slow dance with his hands up and down. And I'm like, that's that's like peak Sandler right there. It's um, almost like pre-Sandler, like before that became like his go-to personality thing it was just like this little breakout part where they're just doing the you know mirroring each other's movements and then Mm -hmm. he just that little little dance that got me i gotta admit (laughs) yeah i I chuckled good good chuckle at that one thing i noticed about this on on a slightly more serious note Mm -hmm. it it sort of captures the struggle of being an artist pretty well i feel like um the main character is Chaz, 
like yeah the lone rangers are a band and they're trying to make it but Chaz is really like the main main guy and you're watching this sort of from his perspective and he's he's trying to get he's trying to get any kind of traction that he can for his band he's going and and breaking into uh like record companies and trying to get meetings with executives sort of under the table. And, you know, he's, he doesn't have a quote unquote real job because that's not him. That's not what he wants to do. That's not who he wants to be. And like his girlfriend doesn't understand that. And sort of society doesn't understand that. And I feel like if anyone can relate to that, it's, it's artists like any artist whether you're a musician who's trying to like be a working musician or an actor or a a painter or sculptor or whatever or podcaster or a podcaster hint hint give us money hint hint um i i feel like that's something that anyone who creates can relate to like this is how i want to make my living this is what i want to be not just do, but be, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I feel maybe the people making this movie, I mean, it, it got greenlit, it got funding, you know, this wasn't some little independent movie made for $7,000 on a camcorder. So like, (laughs) so this is not some David and Goliath story at all, but it does come across in that way in its own production value of, of reflecting that idea again, like just reinforcing, you know, doing, doing what it takes to get where you want to be, to tell the story you want, to to share whatever your art is and everything you said about, you know, regardless of what that form is, that if you do get to a point where you want to pursue something and have it be your life and career and all these things, you know, whether it was in the, you know, 60s or the 90s or now, like you have certain obstacles and oftentimes they feel insurmountable and, you know, a lot of times it's you, you got to find the grind and you got to embrace it, whether it's, you know, going, whether it's breaking into, uh, you know, radio execs uh, <laughs> places of work um, or if it's spending three hours a day on Instagram trying to get, you know, your following up or whether it's, you know, just overcoming, you know, gender discrimination barriers and, you know, racial class warfare stuff like there's so many things and and so it's like to not be taken advantage of to not be taken for granted and then to go one step further to actually get an opportunity to to do what you love and have that be your life and your goal and stuff like that's the heart of that made you know a pretty dumb script believable enough because sure like so many people have had that dream and have given up on it and they can say, yeah, well, I mean, I really wish I could have done this. But, of course, I mean, I didn't throw my all into it. And then we see Chaz both literally and figuratively throwing everything <laughs> into uh, this, like, last-ditch attempt to do whatever it takes. But, I mean, really, it, if it wasn't for Pip's dancing, I wouldn't have cared, though. That's fair. That's entirely fair. Um, Or, or Pip's, uh, uh, you know hat placement he uh he worked out for this movie adam sandler apparently because he was uh that that scene when he gets up off the couch he was like i'm like wow that's 
I figured you'd be flabbier. Um, I think also, I mean, this again is back in the early days of uh, Adam Sandler's, uh, you know, career and acting career, yeah, to fame and stuff. And he he had a few early on roles. I remember where he was not fully clothed necessarily. Like did he? Well, by roles, I don't even mean movies, because I believe. And this is kind of embarrassing, and I'm trying to remember if this is a real thing. But I have this recollection. Wasn't he uh, a character named Studboy? Studboy? Or am I totally making that up? I don't know. We're we're about to deep dive Adam Sandler's IMDb page. Sorry, Sandman, but that's happening. Uh, Like, I want to say on MTV. uh, Like, maybe Remote Control? Let's see. Acting credits... Uh, I'm seeing Dink the Clown. I'm seeing uh, let's see. I see Canteen Boy on SNL. That was SNL though. This was like some weird, dumb trivia show on MTV called like Remote Control. Hmm. hmm. But maybe not. I don't know. No. But the point he, is, like, he was young. After once. this, he had one more sort of small movie role called Mixed Nuts and then you're like Billy Madison and Saturday Night Live and Happy Gilmore and Bulletproof and Wedding Singer so that's really when like all of his his stuff sort of that that, that was the the era of Sandler after that huh well imagine that if you type into the Google which is something that I just learned how to do right now Try, try, try on your end. Try, try, try looking up uh, Adam Sandler Stud Boy, because <laughs> it's a real thing. Adam Sandler Stud Boy. Jesus Christ! What? Yep. <laughs> Sandman, what are you doing? I'm gonna watch this video. Oh goodness! All right. Well. Today I learned, I guess. A little bit of trivia about this movie that sort of relates to another movie that we've uh, done on the Memory Distillery. Uh, This was filmed, the bulk of it anyway, was was filmed, wow, was filmed at Fox Plaza in Century City, which shares a parking lot uh i i was like wow this looks a lot this parking area or this this drive up area looks pretty familiar shares a parking lot uh with the one used as nakatomi plaza in die hard i mean if you think about it the movies were pretty much the same both I mean, christmas yeah, movies like you've got a, a hardened guy crawling through some air ducts uh trying to take down some some hostage takers sure yeah same movie that 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 entire sequence i did actually make the diehard comparison out loud um with kramer crawling through the air duct with the lighter Uh, and stuff like that now speaking uh, of netflix you said that you were going to get into a bit more of your your overall feelings on the movie so obviously you like the movie and you have for a while but Give us a little bit more about your, like, 
the the whys it tied into what you were just saying about the 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 underdog and the artistic world you know finding their way to the top is it you know what is it that makes this a movie that you picked for us to watch? Like, what connects with you? Well, so I, I talked about a little bit up top. When I was in high school, this would be on like every other day on Comedy Central, and so I would I would I would sit and watch it while I was, you know, doing homework or just hanging out after school or whatever. And like I, I developed this sort of affinity for it. I don't know if it was the the comedy aspect or the rock and roll side or like the 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 struggle bit or whatever but like i just i i had this sort of connection to it that um never i never really felt go away and so when i saw that it was on hulu i was like oh well then let's you know let's watch this because i doubt john has it on any other platform and i don't know when we would have cause or reason to watch it again so that's that's why i picked it but i found myself during this viewing because like a little peek behind the curtain everybody like i what where john takes zero notes i take i wouldn't say copious amounts of notes but in comparison probably copious copious amounts of notes i can't even say the word copious i know right you didn't even say it then um i found myself like in a situation where I had to stop taking them because I felt like I was missing bits of the plot, but then it turned out that I was just, this movie just sort of had trouble getting there plot wise. And I was like, Oh, well, okay. Then I'll just sit here and watch it. Um, this time around, cause it's like I said, it's probably been 10 or 15 years or maybe even a little bit longer. Um, I, I, I didn't dislike this movie, but I've had it on this pedestal for years and it turns out to be just like a, a mediocre outing with some, some really cool bits to it and not this like sort of cult classic that I, I had it in my head as, you know what I mean? Hmm. Yeah. Um, and like not shitting on the movie cause I do enjoy it. Um, I just don't think it that I necessarily relate to it as much as I did as, you know, a teenager, or early 20 something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting for you to have that kind of revelation where like I had a movie named Airheads that never meant much to me when I was younger and doesn't mean much to me now, but like <laughs> I still had fun with it and stuff, but I never, I never went back and forth. I never had, you know, any realizations or, you know, realized that due to, you know, the, the timing and the, the content and everything that I raised it up on that high of a, a level. So, yeah, so that is interesting, surprisingly. Um, I want to read a review here that I, I mentioned it earlier. Uh, this is by IMDb user Swartz Jason 12. It was written in January of 2007. Jason Schwartzman, you said? No, his name is, uh, or the username is Schwartz Jason. We can imagine. It's probably Jason Schwartzman. It could That's be what Jason I'm going to guess. There's a, there's a, there's a easily like a 78% chance that yeah. this is Jason Schwartzman. Uh, it is titled A Fairly Descent Movie. Mm. Um, I'm going to read this as written. So, uh, you know, be prepared for that as, as we do here on the Memory Distillery. 
This is an exceptionally funny movie. It has great characters in it like Brendan Frazier, Chris Farley, Rip, and Adam Sandler. It's just a funny movie. I like the fact that nobody could figure out the, the guns, the guys, the three guys had fake guns. You might think after a while, one of the guys might be able to touch the gun and figure out that it isn't a real gun. And another point I would like to make, I can't really picture Bree Don Frazier, Adam Sandler, and Steve Bushim as rock stars. I also can't picture Chris Farley as a cop. He is a great actor and a great comedian, but he might just be a little too big for a cop. <laughs> uh, oh, for the cop suit, he is put in for the movie. So thank you, potentially Jason Schwartzman, uh, for that great review. I feel like it really captures the essence of uh, of Airheads. John, what do you think? I think, yeah, like I hadn't thought about it before, but I think it is a decent movie. <clears throat> and um, their their ability to pay attention to character development and and really dig in deep and not be afraid to say what everybody else is afraid to say, which is, you know, that cop outfit was a little bit small for Chris Farley. Mm-hmm. And this isn't, you know, this isn't an insult to him as a human being. But come on, it's a movie set. Be professional. Right. Be there to act, not to show up and look inappropriately dressed. And uh, I'm just, I, this is the main reason why Airheads is not allowed to be shown in movie theaters in public anymore. Well, it's the same thing as the, with, with the rock stars in this movie, like Bredon Frazier and Adam Sandler and Steve Bushim. They aren't rock stars, then they shouldn't be portrayed as such. They don't, they don't even, I mean, I don't know, it's just my personal opinion, but I feel <laughs> that they're maybe even, I don't know, like not cool enough they're they're kind of nerds right and they yeah they yeah, sort like of today, touch on want, that like oh you, you know i play edgy. dungeons and dragons and i eat my boogers and blah 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 but yeah that's horrible he's I, not a I rock want, star i want fucking lemmy out there being a rock star or uh you or know ed sheeran you know someone really edgy well, that but huh yeah go on you made a weird noise. Huh? No, that was that must have been your mic and headphones. That's also very possible. I'll have to edit that in later so it sounds like <laughs> I'm not crazy. I'm just saying when you hear and you think like hard rock, rock and roll, die hard, you know, just like that that deep, rebellious hair band, leather coat, tight jean wearing guy, mm -hmm. you're just thinking Ed Sheeran on a Harley is like the only image a normal person would think of. And, you know, he was, you know, kind of timeless. He could easily step back a couple decades and fit in perfectly. And if they would have cast him in this movie instead of someone, you know, like Steve Buscemi, like what else is he ever going to do? Sorry. Like, sorry, who? Steve Buscemi, I believe. Buscemi, correct. Buscemi. Buscemi. <clears throat> But yeah, I, I mean, again, we're getting a little off track, but the, the bottom line is we watched Airheads and Ed Sheeran should have been in it, even though he was probably negative one when it was made. That's probably true. That's you're, you're probably pretty close to the correct age there. Do you know who was actually supposed to play the part that Bredon Frazier played? Sean Connery. Oh, 
Wow, no, that wasn't the answer I was going to give, but that's a better answer. Thank you. Can, can what you... was the answer you were going to say? Am I supposed to guess for real? Well, yeah. Who would have played Braidon's part? Braidon Frazier? Yes. Uh, was it Was it an actual rock star? No, but it was an okay. actual actor. Okay, an actual actor. Who is an actual actor who had long hair? Because... I hear Bredon had to like grow out his hair for like four years for this part. Um, I'm going to say Drew Barrymore. Nope. And that, that humming felt real good in my ear holes. Mm, good. Uh, <laughs> No, actually, uh, the Chaz part was supposed to be played originally by John Cusack. Huh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's the right era for wanting John Cusack in your movie. So It is, but I don't feel like it's the right part. But I, I feel no. like John Cusack ended up uh, playing not necessarily a similar part, but... He got his kind of musical part in a few different movies, but one in particular, uh, High Fidelity. Fidelity. Yeah. And Uh, also as Lloyd Dobler in Say Anything. Yes. Because he held up the boombox and played Peter Gabriel's In Your Eyes. Yeah. So, like, that's very similar to the tone of this movie. Yep. It's uh, almost shot for shot, I would say, the, the same movie. It's amazing how many movies Airheads is just like. Yep. Uh, I mean, you've got, you know... Die Hard, Frozen, Say Anything, Gremlins, and The Night That the Earth Stood Still. Yep. All of which those. Which was a sequel to The Day the Earth Stood Still. <laughs> uh, Alright, I think we're punch drunk enough with this. Punch Drunk Love, Adam Sandler, a movie just like Airheads. Holy shit. Perfect. Full circle. Uh, Do you have anything else, John, before we uh, send this home? Uh, I'm afraid to admit this to the listening audience, but I don't think I ever really had anything to say at all this episode. (laughs) So I think right now I'm about as good as I was when we started, which is to say I'm I'm, I'm good. I'm ready to... I mean, I did a little bit earlier where I was thinking about we could talk about favorite movies of some of the characters, or not characters, actors in this movie. But then I realized I just don't want to think too hard about movies Adam Sandler's been in or movies that Brendan Fraser's been in because it might just make me feel a little sick. So, But, well, okay. I mean, unless something jumps out, you got something right off the top of your brain, you want to throw it out there, go for it. I mean, I do have some, like, Adam Sandler movies that, Despite how bad they may or may not be, I do kind of like and potentially love. Okay, you get one. Pick one. Just one. Just one. Damn it. If I have to go with just one, I'm probably going to say, and again, for nostalgia reasons, uh... The Wedding Singer. Okay, that's actually the best answer, and it makes me angry. Again, (laughs) that you somehow managed to do that. 
Because that was, I was going to interrupt you halfway between when you said like, happy Gilmore. I'd interrupt you and be like, nope, the wedding singer is the only acceptable answer. Um, and then you said wedding singer. So there goes my bit. I failed again. I'm a triplicate failure in every possible way. But there's other just, good just Adam three Sandler ways. movies and good nope, Adam Sandler no, you got Barrymore no, joints. No, if you no, look at 51st no, Dates. No, no, no. 51st I Dates is to... a fun fucking movie to watch. Ooh, hey, hey this is not. That's the emergency broadcast oh, noise because we... We watched Airheads. I conceded that to you. I went in with open arms, open heart, open mouth, and I put food in my mouth and then watched the movie. But I did not agree to get into more discussions on all the other Adam Sandler movies. Um, not that I hate them all. I just can't handle it right now. Just It's too much for me emotionally right, to, fine. to dig in. What about Brendan Fraser? I don't even know how to say his name. No one does. Bredon Frazier. Yes. Pretty sure his first name is Brayden and his last name is Frouge. Um, but th- they never tell you that. And I think his best movie was when he did like uh, guest appearances in the TV show Scrubs. Huh. I didn't know that he had done that. But yeah, I think it was apparently. just two episodes, and they're barely, you know, for for a silly show like that, they were fairly poignant and fun and and good. So yeah. Um, I mean, with honors, it, back in the day was a good movie in my mind that I enjoyed, and and back he's had some of the, you know, back in the day, and he's had a few of these fun, stupid roles, and at one point or another, he fought the undead. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Do you have an immediate Brendan Fraser take? I mean, I liked Monkey Bone. Um, I thought it was a <laughs> kind of a fun and different kind of movie. Uh, well, I feel yeah, no, that's true. But, uh, I mean, to complete the trilogy, we'd have to talk about Stevie Boy. But he's in so many good movies. Uh, See, this is going to be the tough one to narrow down. And we didn't really go into this. I mean, he's been in at least like five Adam Sandler movies that aren't good. Right. But but he's been in so much good stuff. I'm pretty sure he's been in 43 million movies. he's, He's in like fucking everything. But... If we had to narrow it down to a single movie each, where, where would you go with that? I feel like just in term, like immediate. It's not necessarily like his best role, but I know it's maybe my favorite movie he was in. I'm gonna say maybe Fargo. Oh, I thought you were gonna go somewhere else with that, and I appreciate you not. Though Fargo was a damn good movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Wedding Singer. <laughs> he had a great part well, of that. Sure, yeah. He was the, the, the drunk brother. Not a whatever. single lesson. Thanks, Pop. <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to say Donnie from The Big Lebowski. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with that. Uh, I mean, but I he's there's so many other great roles. Garland Green and Con Air. Um, fucking... Uh, Uh, Mr. Pink and Reservoir Dogs, like there, there's so much good stuff that he's been in. Like it's hard to, to really Fink. narrow it down. But it, I mean, it, probably for me, his most iconic role is Donnie. Yeah, no, I mean, there's a few roles that really stick out and stuff like that. Um, but it's hard to, hard to argue. So I won't try. All right, what do you say we take well, it we, home? We've done it. We did it. 
Uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, joining us every week on Mondays as we distill another favorite from our past. Uh, if you haven't been watching Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, uh, make sure you're checking those out. Uh, we started releasing what we call audiograms, which are little videos where it's pretty much just our logo and some subtitles of clips of the show. Share those out to your friends. They help us out a lot with getting new listeners and getting people interested in the show. So, yeah, do that, please. And as you're having debates amongst yourself of who would win a wrestling contest, whether it be Lemmy or God or Semaphore. Um, it's important to note that we have a song that plays in our podcast by a band that's kind of like Motorhead, but also very different. Mm-hmm. Um, our song, uh, our song, their song, Destroying the Evidence, uh, is what is featured throughout our podcast. So you should just check them out overall because they're pretty awesome. They are. Um, and, and then all the social media stuff Anthony said, all rocking, lots of interesting stuff going on. And um, in, in the meantime, as we always say, if you've got topic ideas for shows or you just had an opinion or you think that you really – think it's it's kind of a shame that it, anthony didn't know about the existence of stud boy or whatever it is that you want to let us know uh just write us at the memory distillery at gmail.com uh, we're always on top of that and and you might even get a response or maybe like a you know like a a, a winky face emote who knows what kind of thing could come back at you a thumbs up thumbs um, down if your opinion is bad so if you've come this far <laughs> it's episode 40 we just listen to Airheads. It can only get better. Yeah. So uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, I'm John Dack. And I am Anthony Verneri, and this has been the Memory Distillery. Stay. Classy. No, uh, just stay. The, the song oh, just, by Lisa Loeb. Oh. Because of the 90s. Well, you only hear what I want to. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Chaz uh, is Elsa. Oh, of course. But do you know who Pip is? Well, Pip would be uh, Olaf, right? Nope. Oh. Is Pip Anna? Nope. Is Pip Tarzan? (laughs) Pip is Tarzan. No, that's... (laughs) Brendan Fraser was George of the Jungle. Oh, which right, is probably right. what that's you're thinking. The, that, that's the crossover I'm thinking of. Okay.